0: Today, we're talking to Megan Hostetler of Salesforce about her journey to product marketing manager, to Salesforce mascot, back again. We're taking a look at why marketers are so risk averse, and we're suggesting what authenticity means in the world right now. I'm Zachary Ballinger, and this is The Tick. Today, I have with me Megan Hostetler of Salesforce. Hey, Megan.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Oh, it's going great. <laughs> this is going to be exciting because we we know each other. We've done this podcasting before together. It's never aired, but uh,
1: it's we've done one it's before.
2: Coming.
0: <laughs> it's coming. All right. I guess the world's changed a little bit since we recorded. A little bit. A
1: little bit of change.
0: This one will air, I promise. I bet this one airs before our other one does.
1: We can have a contest.
0: <laughs> I mean, everything's a contest right now. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I am so curious and how you got to um, a product marketing manager at Salesforce and the path that you took there. Before we even dive into that, where are you from and where are you now?
1: Great question. Um, so I'm from Evansville, Indiana. So I think you said you went to. or you went to um, USI, right? U- University of. South I did Indiana. go to USI. Evansville,
0: yes. will represent.
1: Yeah, Eagles. Um, so grew up there, and then uh, and then went to Purdue in West Lafayette, and now I'm in Indianapolis, thriving in this quarantine. What's the difference
0: between Evansville and <laughs> quarantine's been a lot of um, quote unquote fun, and I mean that in the driest, most not real way. Um, For those who aren't familiar with uh, Indiana, because, you know, we don't have a lot of guests lined up that are actually from Indiana, despite both you and I being from here. Um, What's the difference between Evansville and Indianapolis, in your opinion?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot of things. For the record, though, Evansville is the third largest city in Indiana, and Indianapolis is number one. So there's that. Um, um, it's, It's a pretty big city, but, you know we don't have one of those movie theaters where you can go and eat and have them deliver food to you. So that's one thing. I think Indianapolis is hopping. Got a little upgrade. <laughs> it has a downtown in Indianapolis. Evansville does, but it's like not that exciting. But I it's will a say I, they have a, a casino. That is true. Um And they have, Evansville has the, uh I think it's the first, that may be a lie, the first, uh, uh, largest street festival, which is our fall festival uh, in October.
0: Yeah, that's cool. that's true. And another thing, before we lose the entire audience that aren't <laughs> from here, um, the other thing that, that Heavensville has that Indianapolis does not have is an amazing Mongolian barbecue restaurant. And I'm so oh, upset yes. that Indianapolis has not gotten yes. on board with that yet.
1: Yes, yes. It's a great, great place. Okay, Great place to be.
0: So Purdue... That's a long way away from, from Evansville. is about two and a half hours south of of Indianapolis and then Purdue's what an hour northwest of Indianapolis? An hour and a half.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, about so a little over an hour, depending on if you're in football traffic or not. But yeah, it's a hike. <laughs> that was my goal though. I wanted to be far enough away to where, you know, I could live my live my best life, but also go home if I needed to go home. So that was kind of the One of the rationales behind it. To do laundry, yes. (laughs) So why Purdue? So my family's been a big Purdue fan. So growing up, I kind of just lived and breathed. They watched all the Purdue sports, uh, basketball, football. We'd go to games. Um, Pretty much lived and breathed it. Weren't big IU fans. Indiana University, which most people from Evansville um, will, will... Usually end up going to Indianapolis University or Indiana University IU um, because it's like a little less than two hours away. So you know, wanted to be a little different too. So big Purdue fan, and they had pretty much every program, every program on the planet. They have a lot of different majors and, and opportunities. So just felt right.
0: And you studied management, correct?
1: Yes. Yep management. Anything
0: in particular you were like, I want to manage.
1: (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. I did management because I wanted to learn a little bit about everything. Uh, So that's what the degree has. So you do a little bit of accounting, a little bit of marketing, uh, a little bit of information systems, a little bit of finance, you name it. Um, So I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. But after going through a lot of the classes, kind of narrowed that Down, but it's not like I uh joined or I got into this degree and was like, I want to manage an an ice cream business someday. Wasn't really (laughs) like that, but yeah, it's more of a okay. So, you with your management to get a taste of everything, get a taste, yeah.
0: Oh, exactly. It's like a sampler pack,
1: a sample pack, sample pack.
0: Okay. So you had the opportunity to have this sample pack and did anything happen? Was there like an, like an internship specifically, or was there a job you had that pushed you from college to go towards, uh, you know, this, this route in marketing? I mean, you're a very specific marketer now being, being in product marketing, like what pushed you from college there getting that sample did, was the marketing program. So amazing the sample part or something else pushed you in that direction.
1: Yeah, so you know, once I got to Purdue and I was in the program um, in Craner School of Management at Purdue, um, going through all these classes, I really learned that I loved the information systems types of roles or types of jobs. Wow, I can't speak. Types of classes. Well, such a different language than what we do today. Um, but these classes <laughs> where you're working on computers, you're, you're designing things, um, That's what interested me the most. Um, Where I learned uh, that I liked marketing came in from some organizations I was involved with, like um, I was in a professional, well I guess I still am, in a professional business fraternity called uh, Delta Sigma Pi. So we had a lot of different roles that you could um, apply for and, and that would be your role in the chapter. So I was the VP of marketing for a while. That's why I started to learn a little bit about marketing and that I liked it. Um, so from there, I decided, well, I need some real-world experience. I don't think anyone's probably going to hire me from a VP position in a business fraternity, but you know, you never know. Um, so I took on a Position. It was like a, a free, non paid, just looking for help uh, from this company called e- Easter Seals Rehabilitation Center. Um, so it's big in, in Evansville. It's, I think it's across the country. I'm not really sure. It's across Indiana, <laughs> uh, but it's a nonprofit. Um, and my friend in, in high school, actually, he uh, was like a big athlete and, you know, big into all the things, very sociable guy, kind of. Uh, personality extrovert. I bet he would be thriving uh, in the quarantine. But uh, unfortunately, he was in an ATV accident, and it was a big deal. Um, he like he can't move. Um, he's in one of those wheelchairs where like it's all the way up to your neck. He he can't feel anything from the neck down. Um, so he started going to Easter Seals. So that's kind of where uh, my interest in in that area came from. Um, so got involved with Easter Seals. They let me. Um, work on a lot of their marketing projects, everything from like making a brochure for some of their events that they have coming up to raise money, um, to actually putting on events where we schmoozed a bunch of (laughs) local companies to try to um, help us gather donations, um, to helping with their website, to putting in, uh, they actually sell uh, equipment and things like that to help people with uh, rehabilitation, um, like ramps to go on into your house, for example. Um, so kind of working on the e-commerce side of that too. So all unpaid, uh, which is super fun when you're a broke college kid, but that was where I got more interest (laughs) and I realized I can do it. I think this is something I could be interested in a career for, right. Actually get paid.
0: I, so I'm, I'm going to, I had like all these questions prepared, but I'm, I'm going to do a a, p- a personal pivot here. Is is your friend Ben Trockman? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We you know went him? to, he went to, we went to college together
1: That's and
0: uh, we shared a major. We were both uh, in multimedia television and, and radio production. Um, oh, I don't know no if he way. went through all the way of that major, but yeah. And now he's, he's on Evansville city council. He won uh, yeah.
1: a he's seat last now. November.
0: I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ben That's was a uh, funny,
0: awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Awesome guy. I, I remember him. Uh, very, I knew exactly who you were talking about when you said you had a friend who was uh, an advocate for Easter seals. He's a he's a really uh, great dude. So very
1: good. Look at that. Look,
0: look, look at what you that.
1: learned. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, so you got this internship, and you had to do everything for no dollars, which is awesome <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. who wants money? Uh, and then you said, okay, we're going to go. This is what got you fully interested. You had your major You had your sampler pack. Then you got your Easter sales internship where you're starting to think, okay, this is the real experience that, that someone's going to hire me. So who hired you? Where did, where did you go right after that
1: internship? So then, so that was the end of, that was the summer of, I guess, sophomore year. Cause you know, freshman year, you go to these career fairs and you know you're like oh here's me come come give me a job but you have no experience so that's when sophomore that summer between freshman and sophomore year i was like all right get it together megan let's get some experience under our belt so then that next yeah because 19 year,
0: is when you really got to focus on your career apparently.
1: yeah like yeah why not that sounds like something that's doable um so from between easter seals and then the next role um uh, Mind you, in between, I was working at Chick Fil A to get money, which is great because got free chicken. What's up? Um, what? Shout out Chick Fil A. Um, but in between there, I uh, had some case competitions. So highly recommend that uh, if anyone's listening and in, in college right now. But case competitions gives you one on one chats with some of these recruiters out there with big name companies that you could work for. So um, there was one with Boston Scientific and one first place. Uh, yeah, one first place, and it was pretty <laughs> fun. So from, from there I got to know a lot of these recruiters got to know um, the folks that I'd be working with in a full-time internship and got the job. And it was in marketing information systems. So it was a little bit of marketing, a little bit of, of the tech side, which, as I mentioned earlier, were two of the kind of key areas that I focused on and I wanted to learn more on.
0: Right. So you, you became an intern at Boston Scientific, which is a really big company. What did you learn there? Mm-hmm. Like what happened?
1: So it was in Boston, which is number one. I've never been outside of Indiana at that point, like living. Oh, cool. You got to go. Oh, yeah. It got to go to Boston. Um, One of my good friends got the job, too. So it was. Fun getting to hang out with him all summer too, but in um, the job, uh, a lot of it was testing, like QA kind of kind of stuff. So they were releasing iPads for the first time; it was like a big deal um, to all of their their sales reps who were going into these hospitals and uh, trying to upsell them on Boston Scientific's technology. Um, so we, m- my team, and I worked on uh, a project where we were developing uh, we worked with sap at the time to create an easy to use ui that the sales reps could just go uh, pull up their account record um, show exactly what they've maybe purchased in the past and what might be right for them so they have a, a good conversation ready for when they go into these hospitals and maybe have like you know, five minutes of their time to give a pitch. So a lot of what I was doing was uh, QA, QAing, testing, um, making sure that these programs are running efficiently and doing what they were supposed to be doing.
0: That's it, a very technical internship. That sounds great.
1: Yeah, so it was, I thought it would be more like marketing, marketing. It was a marketing uh, information systems role. So, uh, But that's where I learned, you know, I like the product side. Um, I like the marketing side. Like, how can I mash those together somehow? And that was where product marketing was born. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: so, was it from then on that you were like, "This is what I wanted not not just marketing. I want to be a product marketer."
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't know what a product marketer was at that time. I I knew what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, so, I thought I wanted to be a product manager. From that route, I was like, Yeah, I want to like develop apps and I want to work with developers, and it's going to be so fun. So that's what I actually started off with um, at Exact Target, which is a company that Salesforce bought right when I got on. So, um, came in through the Exact Target acquisition um, as a product manager, and from there moved into product marketing because I found that I wanted to be more on the creative side the more on the um, sales facing side of the house.
0: Right. So you came in through the catapult program, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so can catapult. you explain
0: what can you explain what that is?
1: Yeah. So the the catapult program, fun word there, uh, but it's where Exact Target was hiring post grads who could rotate through a couple different areas? So I ro- rotated through for three months through product management. So when I say I was there for a short time, I was there for a very short time. Um, so you get your your toes wet in a in a specific area. So was in product management, then was in uh, product marketing for another three months. Then dabbled in for three months in like post sales. So once they purchase the product, how are they? Implementing it quickly and getting the most out of it. Um, so, out of the three, learned that product marketing was like the gold mine, the perfect mix of marketing, you know, and in, in, in product, to where it just kind of fit my my style there.
0: So that's now two. I'm, if I'm keeping track, that's two times you've done a sampler pack.
1: I love sampler packs because (laughs) I don't know what I want to do a lot of the time. So I like testing it out.
0: The fact that you've had two opportunities to do so is, like, amazing. I I think it's unheard of. Really? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are, are thrusted, I think, out of college into what they think is going to be their thing. They don't get to test and and rotate and they just have to learn the hard way that they either don't want to do it or that they're stuck. I think it's really unfortunate. I think it's amazing that both produce program and exact target at the time, like had the ability to let you really find your footing. And now look, you've been there almost six years now.
1: Yeah. Good math there. Yep. It'll be six years in June. And yeah, I did some research. I, I, (laughs) and I think, uh, I wish that they keep, would keep doing these programs of rotation type things because that I would have never even knew what product marketing was. If I just started out in product management, I would probably still be in product management, um, which is a great role. like I I think it's really interesting. Uh, What I didn't like about it was uh, here I was this, I guess, 22 year old coming right out of college uh, telling these developers who were like very, very smart (laughs) people, um, how they should uh you know code their product and what what they should be focusing on and they're probably like what oh, does she know <laughs> uh, <that was> part <laughs> of it um i bet if i would do it now i'd probably have a different outlook on it but you know i just kind of stumbled upon this role and i, and I liked it so and what's interesting about product marketing at least at at salesforce is there are a lot of different types of roles in product marketing like i i started off in more of a traditional role where i had a specific product uh, but now i'm more focused on an industry so focus on retail and consumer goods brands so kind of a a fun area
0: yeah that's awesome that you've had the opportunity to to go that route and now I, i you know that's led you to being a podcast host you you host the salesforce marketing cloudcast how? How did that happen? Where did How did you fall into that one?
1: See, that's a funny story as well. So um, there I think you've had, well, the different podcasts that you've had on Heike Young. Um, Heike Young started the marketing cloudcast. She's awesome. She's like the queen of content marketing um, back when Exact Target had a content marketing uh, program. It had a like a, a team dedicated to it. It was awesome. Um, we're building that back up at Salesforce, which is, I'm thrilled. It's it's a really exciting time. But what is uh, interesting, when Salesforce acquired ExactTarget, that content marketing area kind of eh, fizzled out in some way, shape or form to where Heiko left. She went to move on to A different role within Salesforce, leaving the podcast, which she started from the ground up, um, kind of on the on the wayside. So we had met um, probably a year before that at a um, show in New York. We were on a world tour, which is uh, what Salesforce puts on, where a lot of our customers or, or prospects or really anyone interested in learning more about Salesforce gets together. I'm in a a big city usually. So this one was in New York. Uh you know what everyone in you know who goes to New York on a company's dime likes to go out to a nice restaurant (laughs) and uh, we ended up order a bottle uh, of wine. Got a maybe a bottle of wine. So we got to know each other. We really bonded. Um learned that she was a Disney princess. So like we hardcore bonded. Um And we just stayed in touch ever since then of, like, what we're working on, things like that. She's in L.A. I'm in Indianapolis. Uh, She's from Indianapolis. So, anyways, Ike and I, tight. So, when she had left the team, the podcast was, you know, standing on the side. She had reached out to me to ask if I wanted to take it over. And then I said, of course, you're my idol. I'd be happy to. And that's where I (laughs) am now.
0: So this is like a it's a hand me down. Like this is a podcast that you could just as you you know take your career to the next level, you can just hand it right down to the next person.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think it's, it's an a tradition. interesting it's it gonna be a tradition. Maybe we need like a sweater or like a jacket that we pass <laughs> down. Maybe we'll think about that. But yeah, it's a it's a great tool for us to use. So it was when it was in a different area in, in Content marketing, which makes a lot of sense. Um, You may be wondering, why is it in product marketing now? Well, I I think it does make a lot of sense to be in the product marketing bandwidth, I guess you'd call it. Um, Because we have the opportunity to, um, if we have a product launch or something, we can have specific episodes related to that topic for instance which is a, a nice way uh, for us to use this like evergreen channel of thought leadership of just inspiration and tips and tricks um, to kind of help us align to our vision and values at salesforce
0: that's awesome I, I don't know a lot of places I, I do know a few um, that actually use the podcast in product marketing I think that I know of, of two or three and you guys being one of them and um, you know, we actually started to mimic a little bit of what you guys do, uh, at casted where when we do a product release, we actually do a podcast about it as well. Our, our head of product, yeah. um, will will jump on with his sexy jazz voice and he'll, <laughs> uh, he'll tell us all of the reasons that we built something and it's, it's, uh, it's fantastic. So it's a, it's a great channel. So before we, we wrap up, you've, you've been at Salesforce for uh, you know, Salesforce or exact target for essentially your whole career. So there's, there's gotta be a story or something crazy that you've done in the name of marketing.
1: <laughs> in what the name what of do you marketing. have for
0: me? Give me something.
1: I, I mean, it's been a, it's been an adventure. Um, one thing that you may know about Salesforce is we're sometimes known as an event company that happens to sell, sell um, software so we do a lot of events, and one <laughs> event in particular is called Dreamforce. Where like 150,000 people come to San Francisco. It's crazy bananas. Um, one little speaking- event.
0: <laughs> just, just this tiny little event called Dreamforce.
1: <laughs> tiny, tiny event. Um, so, yeah, so we have this huge event, and since there's so much going on, there's so many people, um, we had our marketing keynote, uh, which is where – We have a room of like 8,000 people we're trying to fill for this hour-long keynote presentation. Mind you, there's like President Obama giving a speech around the corner and like (laughs) David Beckham is talking about his foundation around the corner. So people have a lot of options that they can be going to at any given time. So our team thought it would be a brilliant idea. And I I still think it was a great idea. But um, we decided to have a parade with like literal drums, like a drum line from the 49ers. <laughs> uh, like, we all dressed up in crazy, just like wigs and like streamers and stuff. And my boss, like my boss's boss's boss at the time, was like, Megan, I'm gonna need you to go on a secret mission. I need you to put on this sweaty gorilla costume and dance <laughs> around. No. And you know what I said, Zach? I said, yes, in my honor. So I did. Uh, I was very sweaty at the end, um, but it was worth it. I can,
0: I can imagine uh, San Francisco and, and it's midsummer, right? Isn't Dreamforce like early spring or late spring, midsummer, somewhere in there? It's,
1: it's like it's in, it's in the fall, but their fall is like warm, like seventy high 70s, sunny, 80s maybe. Oh, man. Um, but we got so many people to the keynote. I handed out a lot of flyers and high fives. So well, it was worth it. You did it. I did it.
0: You did it. <laughs> All right, Megan, what do you have going on right now? What's one project that you're super excited about?
1: Ooh, well, since we're in interesting times right now, I'm actually very excited um, about this series we're doing at Salesforce called Leading Through Change. Um, so it's what it is is we're interviewing marketers or thought leaders or um, just anyone who is leading through this Change of environment, and we're hearing a lot of awesome stories. Um, we just had on some nonprofit organizations come on and talk about how they're shifting their priorities, shifting their tone, um, how they're doing that. Mm. So, interesting podcasts that we're, we're sharing, but not only podcasts, we're working on uh, webinars, uh, blogs, all kinds of just helpful resources for marketers at this time.
0: Well, that's That's amazing. I mean, this is the, it's an unprecedented time (laughs) and, uh, helping anyone through it is, uh, is, is needed. Um, so one thing we ask every guest on, on the tick, uh, and and the way that we like to wrap it up is what is the most authentic thing that's happened to you this week?
1: Um, okay. So have you heard of this thing called snap filters?
0: I've, I've, right. Yes, I'm, uh, I Yes, I'm familiar with Snap. Filters. Sure.
1: So well, we ju- I just learned about it on Google Hangouts, uh, on like Google Meet. So you're in a meeting and um, you can change your filter, like or, your background or something. And all the cool kids started to do it at Salesforce in our meetings, So I was like, well, I got to try it out. Um, but there was this one meeting where it was a little more serious. Uh, no one was putting on a Snap filter. I had just downloaded it. Did not realize that it automatically puts a filter on you as soon as you <laughs> hop on this said meeting and it picks the filter for you. So you have no choice in the matter. Um, so I get on this meeting, you know, with these, like, not stern, but like, it was a, it was a serious kind of meeting. Um, and I Somber. have hearts coming out of my ears and some glitter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that happened, but... I figured out how to turn it off and it was fine. (laughs) A little embarrassing, but that was my authentic moment.
0: Uh, That's a, that's a pretty good one. (laughs) Megan, (laughs) thank you so much for being on the tick. It's awesome to speak to you. Um, I hope you're staying safe uh, and well.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. And it was great talking to you and go Indianapolis.
0: After chatting with Megan, I thought about how absolutely risky it was for her to try new things and not focus wholly on one area. I thought about how that risk has really paid off for her. And then I thought about how rare it is for marketers to take risks. Apparently, I'm not alone. Megan McGrath of Talking Marketing spoke to Victor Milligan about this exact topic.
2: Take a listen. I really didn't understand the innards of a marketing shop until I became a CMO. And the thing that struck me the most or struck me hard was how risk-averse marketers were. And the way that I think about it is that if you're, if you wish to be consequential, it comes with risk, but it also comes with all the positives of consequence. Um, And it's a balancing act. If you don't take those risks, if you don't try to be consequential, you will be marginalized. I mean, that's the problem. You you take on a different unstated risk. So the risk of doing nothing is risk unto itself. Um, the role of the CMO is to give air cover, which is in a market that is tumultuous and dynamic, there's no way to get it right. It's impossible because you're not guessing. You're making intelligent choices along the way. Some will go well. Some will go terribly poor, <laughs> terribly yeah. bad. Um, the role of analytics is to allow you to see those very quickly so risk does not last you know, a long time. You can see what's happening. As it relates to the other executives in the firm, I've had um, the extraordinary pleasure of working with executives that um, have understood marketing, have welcomed marketing as a risk taker, have allowed the risk to take place, have allowed mistakes to be made, have been fans and forgivers along the way. So it takes work. There's a bit of shell diplomacy about, you know, in my role, it's important for me to engage other executives and explain what we're trying to get done and why, and to basically overtly describe, hey, this may go this way, this may go that way, and I'll let you know, but this is what we're trying to get done. So, you know, for the CMOs out there, it can be kind of um, inviting to try to minimize risk and try to sort of keep the lead factory going, but I'm not sure it serves the mid or long-term interests, and it doesn't serve your teams well because the teams need to be taught how to take on risk. It's so easy to get caught up in maintenance marketing and
0: forget that risks can have really high rewards. I think Victor nailed it when he talks about learning to take risks. I know it's something that I'm learning right now. Startup life isn't that easy. At the end of every show, we showcase the most important part of our show, you. We ask new questions every week, and we ask you for your most authentic answers. But this week, we didn't ask a question. We sat crippled and wondering what we needed to say, or do, or feel, and I can't imagine we're alone. We are, after all, a brand. Authenticity is not something that corporate America is exactly known for. We saw messages pour out from other brands, and and we even put out our own. We mean it, and I'm sure that other brands do as well, but it all feels so flat. The truth is that every person knows that racism never left, and it's certainly not gone now that we or some other brand issued a statement. It's not an answer. However, it is now a conversation and an investigation into our own privileges and to the everyday anxieties of our Black colleagues. I don't know that I have something huge to add to this conversation that's not already been said in much better ways, so I've linked some resources below to help educate. Now is the time to learn, specifically this week the week of Juneteenth, and if you're not aware of what that means, then please take a look at some of the resources below, because now is the time to learn about Juneteenth and celebrate freedom. If you'd like to hear more of the interview between Megan McGrath and Victor Milligan, check out Talking Marketing, Episode 22, Why Marketers Need to Take More Risks. You can find it linked below in the related resources. A sincere thank you to our guest, Megan Hostetler of Salesforce. A big thank you to our hardworking producer, Holly Pels, our fantastic audio engineer, Tommy Nichols, and our wildly talented designer, Byron Elliott. I'll see you next week. Stay authentic.